so everybody, uh, my name is Kagan. Obviously, Corey said it like 100 times, but when I wrote this, I wasn't expecting Corey to introduce me, so there you go. Um, so I am humbled, truly humbled tonight to be able to come into you guys and, and share the Word of God. Um, it's been a long road of my, of my own with the Lord, and it's cool whenever he gives you the opportunity to, to serve him, be able to do stuff for him, and especially have the opportunity to share his Word. So um, I'm very excited about that. Uh, so tonight... We're going to be continuing our series uh, in 2 Timothy, and we're going to be looking at uh, specifically 2 Timothy 2, 3 through 4. So I want to give you guys a second to kind of turn your Bibles there. Um, I, I always think an open Bible is a good thing, except when the podium's not big enough. Um, <laughs> obviously, that's a hang-up, so. All right, so before we get into this passage, you know, I think it's always best practice to to set up like a, like a proper context as to what we're going to be studying. Um, so 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, right? Those are both books of the Bible where Paul charges a man named Timothy into service as a minister at a church called Ephesus. In 1 Timothy 1, 1 through 4, we see Paul giving a charge and a reason as to why he is passing his ministry onto, or onto Timothy. Um, 1 Timothy 1, 1 through 4 says, Paul an apostle of Jesus Christ by the commandment of, our God, or of God, our Savior, and Lord Jesus Christ, which is our hope. Unto Timothy, my own son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God, our Father, or, yeah, sorry, grace, peace from God, our Father, and Jesus Christ, our Lord. As I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus when I went into Macedonia, that thou mightest charge some that teach no other doctrine, or that they teach no other doctrine. Neither give heed to fables, and endless genealogies, which minister questions, rather than godly edifying, which is in faith, so do. So here we see Paul explaining uh, why he left Timothy behind, and that's due to him having to go to Macedonia to continue his own ministry with the Lord. But we also see something else here. Paul tells Timothy to charge other men in Ephesus to teach no other doctrine than the one that Paul was taught from the Lord, and then pass him to Timothy. Um, Paul also gives Timothy a warning in this verse about avoiding certain things that can confound a ministry. And to give you guys a little bit of foreshadowing, uh, we are going to be talking about another charge that Paul passes to Timothy, but we aren't there yet. But I do think it's an interesting parallel to what we learned last week uh, from Brock about committing the Word of God to faithful men. Um, we see again in 2 Timothy 1, 1 through 2, that Paul is addressing Timothy again. So what Paul is charging Timothy with uh, with his, is starting a ministry in Ephesus and passing the knowledge from the Lord to a new ministry, to a ministry leader. And interestingly enough, in our passage tonight, Paul again is giving uh, Timothy a specific charge to be a good um, soldier for Christ. So let's actually look at our, our main verse tonight um, and see what, Paul, or see what Paul is specifically telling Timothy. So 2 Timothy 2, 3 through 4 says, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a good soldier. All right, so I want to start, before we go into this, I want to start in prayer um, and just have the Lord, you know, charge our hearts as he charged Timothy. Um, so we'll start there, okay? Um, so God, thank you so much for, for giving us your word, for giving us these charges that, you know, you gave to a man way before we even knew uh, what was going on and that we can still use those same charges in our lives today. Um, it's a true blessing, Lord, that we have this knowledge from you, and, you know, these are words that were committed to faithful men, and 
man, now we're committing it to other faithful men. Um, it's just great to see how your word goes through the ages, and, and nothing can stop it, nothing can confound it, nothing can, can take away from the power that it has. And, and I ask you, Lord, tonight to charge our hearts as you charge Timothy. I ask you to um, teach us, you know, what we need to see here, and, and Lord, I just pray that we commit these words to our heart. But we ask all this in your name. Amen. Um, all right, so as I was studying this passage, the Lord highlights a few key points which I want to share uh, with you tonight and explore what it means to be a good soldier for Christ. And these are seriously some important principles we need to understand to be able uh, to be effective ministers for Christ. So remember in Ephesians 6, 19, to, or 19 through 20, uh, which says, And for me, that utterance may be given, or that utterance, and for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may openly, or open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that there and I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. So we are called to be ambassadors of the gospel and speak boldly the mystery of Christ, which is the gospel. Um, so let's start into our lesson tonight, and I'm starting with your first point on your outline, which is endure hardness. So verse 3 says, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier for Jesus Christ. So what we see in this first verse is that Paul is telling Timothy that we have to endure hardness to be a good soldier for Christ. So what does that actually mean, right? What does that actually mean to endure hardness? Well, Paul gives us a very clear look at what some of, or, or, as to what enduring hardness looks like um, for him personally in 2 Corinthians eleven twenty one through 33. And there's a lot that's going to be shown up here. We're not going to go through it tonight, um, like the whole verse. But I do just want to point out some of the big things in, that are written in this verse, right? So Paul was beaten, he was mocked, he was shipwrecked, he was naked, he was, you know, without. You know, Paul, he, he was a hardcore dude. Like, he, he endured a lot, and he did for a very specific reason. Um, so again, we don't have enough time tonight, but I encourage you to look into this tonight, because I do want this to be kind of a, like a jumping point for you to understand what actual suffering looks like. So I go into this, too, because I want to ask you guys, do you realize just how good we have it, right? Just how good we have it here in America compared to Paul. So we live in a country where we can freely preach the word of God. We live where we don't have to suffer, honestly, anything close to what Paul did. And I want to give you that reference point to look, uh, to look at so you can understand what it means to endure hardness. But I also want to look at this, but Paul did this for the glory of God because he was a true soldier for the Lord. So Paul makes mention that if we are following the Lord, we are going to have to suffer persecution for him. 2 Timothy 3.12 says, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ shall suffer persecution. So if you're going to live godly, you're going to have to suffer some things. You're going to have to sacrifice your comfort to be able to live in Christ. Going back to Paul's sufferings, um, do you think he was comfortable while he was serving the Lord? I know we didn't go into it, but I, I honestly, again, encourage you to look back there. And, and if, you, if any of you guys say that, yeah, he was comfortable, like, come find me, and, and we'll make sure you don't think that way. Um, but no, but, he, um, but do you think there were things that Paul may have rather been doing? Like, do you think that he loved being in prisons and being in a shipwreck and, you know, like riding through the water and ending up on a random beach talking to a bunch of barbarians? Like, do you think Paul maybe would have wanted to do something different? Maybe. But Paul knew. Paul knew what he was fighting for. He also knew how to fight a good fight. Um, but Paul did, or 
Yeah, Paul knew, uh, didn't know what he was fighting for, and he didn't know how to fight a good fight, but Paul demonstrated something else that many, many of us stray away from, me included, um, at times, and, and that is being disciplined, being a disciplined and obedient soldier of God through, the, through knowledge of the Scripture and faith in Jesus Christ. <clears throat> do you know, do you know that we have the perfect, the perfect preserved Word of God right here in these Bibles to help us through um, this hardness we are going to have to endure? For some of you who are plugged into the Word of God, this is something you probably already know. And I still think it's worth mentioning, even if you do know it. But for the other people in this room who are not plugged into the Word, enduring hardness is going to be even harder for you. It, it's a huge struggle. I did it for 26 years. So it, and I'll tell you, the last three years have been pretty great and pretty, I don't know, pretty, now I wouldn't say easy, because it's still suffering. <laughs> but, it's been, but it's been good, because I have the Lord on my side. But the Word of God is extremely important in all aspects of your life, even for you guys, again, that are plugged in. So 2 Timothy 3.16, right? So that says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So what we see in that verse, or in this verse, is that, uh, is that the Word of God is good for understanding biblical truth, for personal examination, for correcting your own walk, and also improving your walk. And I also, just, or I also want to just help you in realizing something else tonight about enduring hardness. And that is the fact that through the Word, you are not fighting alone. You're never fighting alone when you're connected with the Lord. But you're fighting with Jesus Christ on your side. Paul makes mention of this in our passage tonight when he, uh, when he says, as a good soldier of Christ. He's not saying just as a good soldier. He's specifically referencing of Christ. So he knew who his, his commander was. But in Philippians 4.13, um, I always think it's a cool verse because it says, I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. And I feel like I frequently point out the word all in passages when I'm preaching. Um, but I do it for a very specific reason. So all does not mean some or a few. It means all, everything, no matter what comes in life, including hardness. The Lord will also protect us through hardness, or will also protect us through the hardness in our lives. In Psalms 23, 1 through 6, the Lord lets us know that he will be there to guide and provide for us in our lives. So Psalms 23, 1 through 6 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now I'm going to take a little sidebar here real quick, because this is really cool. So I wrote this, and um, man, I referenced Psalms 23, and something really cool happened at work. I had a, a lady come in. She's going through a super big, like super bad time, right? She's got a lot of trauma in her life, and she was sitting there. The first time she came in, she wore a long sleeve shirt, right? Well, the second time she came in, she wore a short sleeve shirt. And right here, plastered right in her arm and a tattoo, is uh, Psalms 23. And I'm like, how cool is that? Like, I mean, because I've been studying this verse, right? And it was super cool to be able to walk her through this and let her know that, like, she's like, I'm lost. I'm like, well, then maybe you need a shepherd. Come on. <laughs> and, then, and then she's like, man, I just, want, oh, I just want my life to get better. Well, I shall not want. Isn't that crazy, huh? 
And then she's like, man, I've been searching for peace and a place to land in my life. I'm like, oh, why he make you you know, lie down in green pastures? <laughs> and, he, what, and she's like, man, I just, I feel like there's a lot of like torment in my life. I'm like, oh, he leads you by still waters. And again, I don't mean to like make a joke out of this, but seriously, it was very cool to be able to talk to her. And by the end of it, we, I had a really cool conversation with her about how she had walked away from the Lord two years ago. And this was her source verse in her life was Psalms 23, 4. And then we started talking about it and going through this. And, you know, she told me, she's like, okay, well, I'm going to go home. I'm going to find my Bible. And I'm going to start reading it again. And then she's like, can we talk about it the next time I come in? How cool is that? Like, who would have thought? You know, and that's what I always say. There's another, uh, there's another verse, and again, we won't go through it, but it's Proverbs uh, 22, 17 through 21. If you ever get a chance to look that up. It talk, like, very briefly, it talks about how, like, if you know the word of the Lord and you understand his knowledge, eventually you're going to need it for somebody. And you can pass that on to somebody. So just remember that. Like, again, I was writing a sermon. Who knew I was going to talk to a woman about it that day? That's pretty cool. Um, so back to our actual study here. So well, my, my, I have a tendency to sidebar, so sorry about that. Um, but anyway, so what I hope, what I hope that uh, through this first, verse, or first point, you can see uh, what it means to endure hardness in a practical way to handle hardness in your life as a Christian. Um, you have the book with all the marching orders in it. You have a relationship with God who will provide for you and strengthen you in your hard times. Praise the Lord for that, seriously. Um, I always think of 2 Corinthians 12.10 when I'm going through a hard spot in my life and feeling like I'm losing a battle. So 2 Corinthians 12.10 says, Therefore I take pleasure in my infirmities and reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. Why? For when I am weak... Then am I strong? It's amazing, truly. One more verse I like to think of when I'm trying to fight for the Lord and what he loves is 2 Timothy 1.7. We went over this before, but I, I bring it up again. Um, so it says, For God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Yeah. Just things to think about. Um, anyway, moving to our next point on your outline, I want us to look at verse 4. So verse 4 says, No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who have chosen him to be a soldier. So your next point here will be engaging with the right perspective. So what we see in this verse is that Paul is giving Timothy very specific instructions to not entangle himself with the cares of this life. And personally, guys, I, and, and ladies, sorry, I personally think this is where the meat of our conversation will come from tonight. Um, we're going to camp out here for a little bit, and this is a lot of what your group discussion questions are going to be too, okay? Um, but I want to point this out. So too often, as Christians living in the Laodicean church era, we lose focus on the perspective we need to have to be effective ministers for Christ. And for some of you tonight, you may not know exactly what I'm talking about when I mention this church era. So let me give you a little look at what this means, and we're going to dive into that last book, the scary book, Revelation, all right? Um, so Revelation uh, 3, 14 through 21 says, And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of creation, of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would rather thou wert cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm um, and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. 
and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in fire, that thou mayest be rich in white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. And appoint thine, or anoint thine eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten, and be zealous therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he, and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, uh, even as I also overcame, and am set down uh, with my Father in his throne. In this verse, we see the Lord rebuking. Or if you know what that means, it means calling out a church for their wrongdoings or lack thereof, of any doings. And honestly, what the Lord is saying is that they are lazy, that they are not focusing on the work of the ministry because they feel they, they have everything they need. Can I ask you guys tonight, do you ever feel like that? Do you, feel like, do you ever feel like you have everything you need? Do you ever feel like the world and the affairs of this world give you everything you need? Well, again, let me point you back to our verse tonight where it says, No man that worth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life. This present world cannot, I've experienced it, this world cannot and will not fulfill you. This world will leave you in a tangled mess and will leave you unfulfilled. But praise the Lord that he lets us know of something even greater than this present world. So Romans 8.18, great verse right here. So for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be even compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Guys, we have to keep this in mind. We have to keep that in the forefront of our minds. We have to understand what perspective we need to have in our lives for the Lord. And I could go on and on with verses that talk about uh, what perspective we need to have to avoid uh, being entangled with the affairs of this life. And if any of you guys know anything about Bible study, when the Lord says something multiple times, it's probably pretty important to listen to. Like, he's trying to get your attention on something. Like he's pointing out, like, hey, do you think I'm serious about this perspective thing? We've got to focus in on that, all right? But if you don't believe me, I just want to, let me just show you a few verses to make my point that we need to shift from a horizontal view to a vertical perspective, okay? So Luke 9.62 says, And Jesus said unto him, No man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Philippians 3, uh, 13 through 14, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Moving on to James 4, 4. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. That's a pretty big statement right there, right? If you're friends of this world, you're going to be an you're an enmity, you're in war with God. And whoso, and whosoever therefore will be a friend of this world is the enemy of God. Again, just kind of repeated what I just said. Should have just kept reading the verse. Um, so, and finally, First uh, John two fifteen. This is a verse that we we have kids memorize at camp because it's that important. Um, but it says, "Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him." Pretty big bold statement there, right? So these are just four examples of a multitude of times that God says in his word that we, need to be that we need to focus on him, that we need to look to him, 
that we need to march toward Christ and walk away from the world. Um, my next question here is, do you guys know what the Lord hates? Do you know what the Lord wants you to avoid? Well, if you don't know, again, God points it out in his word, very specifically. Doesn't, doesn't leave any room for error, but he makes it very specific. So Proverbs 6, 16 through 19 says, these, thing, or these six things doth the Lord hate. Yea, seven are an abomination unto him. A proud look, a lying tongue, um, and hands that shed innocent blood, and heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift in running to, mis or to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among the brethren. Guys, do you hate these things too? Do you hate what the Lord hates? If you have the Holy Spirit inside you, you have to hate what the Lord hates. Because these things are, are awful. They're going to destroy your life if you get them in there. And on top of this, the Lord is also gracious enough to give you a list of things that your flesh, this, as Jeff would call it, is a meat sack we're in or something? Something like that. Um, but anyway, so he gives you an idea of like what your flesh is going to want to do uh, that will lead you away that leads you away from the Holy Spirit, from what the Holy Spirit wants you to do. So Galatians 5, 19 through 21 says, Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. And it's going to be a long list, so bear with me. So adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murderers, uh, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. So he's even cool. He's like anything else like that, that too, uh, of the which I tell you before, or the, of the which I tell you before, as I have told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And again, just pointing this out real quick, that's not saying that if you are doing these things right now, if you have the Holy Spirit inside, you can't lose your salvation. So, like, just want that to be clear, all right? Um, but anyway, so there's one final point I want to make here um, before we move to the conclusion of this message tonight. And that is addressing the, or the issue of idols in your life. So 1 John 5.21 says, Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Right? So God gives us a warning about idols in our lives uh, right here. And probably the most famous story about idols in the Bible is the golden calf. So without going through this whole story, let me boil it down to this. So the Jewish people, God's chosen people, made a golden calf. And they decided to worship that calf over God over the God that delivered them from Egypt, a land of slavery and persecution. And, and how do you think the Lord responded? Well, he just about wiped the slate clean. No pun intended for you guys who know this whole, like the whole story. But what I'm trying to say here is that they put something over top of their love and worship to the Lord. So what are your idols? What are you putting higher than your love for the Lord? What is in more of a high priority in your life than loving and serving the Lord? And I ask you tonight, I ask you to be honest uh, with this question, because this is one of your discussion questions. Um, so I'm just asking again, just if there's something going on in your life that you're like, man, that's taking priority. If you talk about it and you use the people around you to help you through that, it doesn't have to pull you away anymore. All right, so to end our lesson tonight, I want to focus on the last part of verse 4. And this gives us a great summary as to why we need to endure hardness. Why we need to engage with the right perspective too. So the end of the verse says that he may please him uh, that hath chosen him to be a soldier. 
So the he in that verse is referring to God. So I ask you, before we end tonight, do you want to please God? Then you're going to have to endure hardness in, or endure the hardness of his ministry. Endure the hardness of joining the Lord in his great commission. Do this by engaging with the Lord personally every day. Do this by loving what the Lord loves and hating what the Lord hates. Do this with the hope of a life eternally seated with Jesus Christ who, give, who gave his life to save yours. When me, everybody else in the room, we didn't even deserve it. You know what I mean? But he gave his life for us. If anybody in this room does not know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, can I ask you to be bold tonight? Can I ask you to be vulnerable enough to talk to someone about what it means to be a child of God tonight and rid yourself of the sins that are in your life? All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer, and we'll have Corey come up, okay? Um, God, thank you so much again. Um, you laid a lot on my heart this week. You laid a lot on, on what was kind of going on in my life and, and kind of redirected me back to you, and, and I thank you so much for that, Lord. And, and truly, Lord, I pray that tonight somebody was convicted, that somebody, you know, just wants to be bold in the asking of you into their lives or be bold enough to, you know, talk about the things that are going on in their lives, Lord. You promised that the body is here to help build each other up, and, and then let our small groups do that tonight. Let's build each other up, and let's be better servants for you. And we love you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Kate.